I'm Amy Cozy, and I approve this podcast. Capetta show. I am your host, Lou Capetta. And um, if you didn't check out Facebook, this is the third time I'm trying to record this. Uh, <laughs> but that, that's all right. That's uh, part of the deal. I have had some interesting guests on, uh, but I can say that today I might have my most important guest. Um, if you know me, I grew up in Jersey. I've been in Nazareth, Pennsylvania for the past uh, 15 years. And today I have... Um, Amy Cozy with me. She's running for state representative. Uh, she's a Democrat, state representative, one, 137th district. Mm-hmm. And um, she's my guest today, and we are going to talk about um, her stances on things, uh, a lot of things, and why you should vote for her uh, on Tuesday. So we're get, cutting very close because it's Sunday evening. Amy, thank you very much. I know you've been going on. Thanks for having me. This is a nice little break. <laughs> <laughs> From walking all day canvassing. Yep, knocking on doors. Right, which we, which we did a little bit of for like an hour, and I was like, oh, man, I don't know how you get 30, 32,000 doors or something you knocked on. We've got to be close to 35,000 at this point. Wow, 35,000 yeah. doors. I, I think I did like seven, and I was like, oh, man, nobody's home. One lady yelled at me. It was crazy. So, okay, so I... For people that don't know me, I'm an independent. I usually vote Democrat um, after, you know, what's going on in, in Washington, which is a different story. I'm voting Democrat all the time. <laughs> so, um, all right. So why don't we start? What what uh, made you decide to run? Because this is really like a big decision and you are not a career politician. No, not so at all. So what made you decide to run? Um, it was, I mean, a lot of it was the 2016 election, like, most people, I was uh, pretty devastated with the outcome, feeling right. very angry and frustrated, um, and I felt I felt guilty. I felt guilty really? because I I felt like I didn't do enough. I, I didn't contribute enough to help Hillary Clinton win that election, mm-hmm. and um, and I felt like I felt this this personal weight that I, I could have done more and I should have been more involved and I should have been more active. And um, so uh, I had this growing guilt of not being more involved in, in politics in general. And um, not long after that happened, I had to deal with uh, Nazareth Borough Council with parking issues. Um, right. And in Nazareth, they don't have a commercial parking permit for for any of the merchants downtown, so we have to park at metered parking, and really? yes, <laughs> and so you have to run out and feed a meter every two hours, which is not super conducive to operating a business. Right, and um, you know, maybe I was still charged from the election or whatever it, it was, but I had gotten my seventh ticket in like a week, and I snapped, and I literally threw my apron off, threw it on the table. I knew that they were having a council meeting. I marched over to uh, Memorial Park right over here, right. which is where they meet, and uh, covered in flour. <laughs> and, um, and I just let council have a piece of my mind about uh, how we needed to have more options for the businesses downtown. You know, they want this 
business community to grow and to right. be like downtown Bethlehem, but they, they keep doing things that do not foster that type of environment. So uh, they did, I was not received well. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and, you know, rightfully so. I came in pretty hysterical, right. and, and um, but I stuck with it, and I attended law committee meetings and workshops, and I, I petitioned the other businesses downtown, and I stuck with it for, for about six months. And finally, after six months of work, we were able to get the commercial parking permit passed. But... My whole point in telling that story is that I this was my first interaction with local government. Right. And there were people on council that had been there literally since the 70s. And the whole reason that those same people are there is because nobody ever runs for office. Right, right, yeah. And, and it got me thinking, like, this is nuts. This is why we're not progressing in this area this is why things are not moving forward because people are not stepping up young people are not stepping stepping up women are not stepping stepping up to fill these positions and to challenge these positions and so it's the status quo and the same thing that happens over and over again so um you know my name got kind of thrown out there somebody who was considering running for something Mm -hmm. and um you know, Matt Muncie happens to be here tonight, called me <laughs> up and um, said, hey, you know, I heard you were interested in running for something. And I was like, yeah, you know, expecting him to say, you know, borough council or right, school board right. or, or something along those lines. And he's like, yeah, those things are coming up. But, um, you know, we really need somebody to challenge Joe Emmerich for state representative. Right. And, um, you know, I thought that was nuts because it was not true, though. It's true. But I was like, this is not, you know, this is like four steps ahead of what I thought I was going to dip my toes into to running for (laughs) office, not jumping head first. Um, And so I I called a couple people and I asked their advice and I'm like, is this crazy for me to do this? Mm -hmm. Is this nuts? And um, they were like, no you know, it's not, it's not nuts. You know, we need, nobody of substance seems to really run against Joe and give him a run for his money. And so it is similar to what's happening on, on borough council. You know, people get complacent and politicians get complacent when nobody challenges them. And so my husband, you know, I asked him about, I said, this is going to be a huge commitment. This is going to be a time commitment. I'm going to have to raise a lot of money. Mm. I'm going to have to cut back at work. Um, and he said, he looked at me and he said, if you don't do this, you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. So we'll figure it out. Right. Just call him back and tell him you're in. And so I did. And so here we are almost a year later. And, um, you know, and 35,000 doors later. And uh, we outraised Joe this. You know, we, we raised twice as much money as he did. And yeah. uh, we're really proud of of how far we were able to come on a, a grassroots movement from somebody who's never been involved in politics before. Right. And uh, I think we, we did a, something pretty big here in Nazareth. So that's, that's important um, to state because you, you are not a politician. This is your, your first go around. You actually own Cozy Cakes mm-hmm. in Nazareth on Main Street. Um, so you are a, you live in Nazareth. You are a, uh, a, a local business owner mm-hmm. who decided to run. So now I know um, you held a town hall on Facebook Live the other night, and that was a question that came up. 
uh, what your background in politics are. I seem to think that that's a positive for this mm-hmm. race. So, it, but some people may look at it as a negative. So, explain why that should they should view that as a positive. Um, I think it's a positive because I've been a member of this community long before I considered running for office. Mm-hmm. So, being a member of this community is is a priority for me. It's important to me. I didn't move to this district just to run for office. (laughs) Like some people. Uh, Like some people. Um, I didn't have uh, visions of being in politics. I didn't have visions of having a career in politics. A lot of people, you know, start from an early age and start branding themselves early on because they know that this is, you know, the path that they want to take. And, um... I think it jades your your decisions and how far you're willing to push the envelope to make change because, you know, you don't want to rock the boat and you right. don't want to make waves because you want, you know, you want to be the, the bland, vanilla politician that's easily electable or whatever the case may be. Um, and I have no interest in any of that. And right. I never had any interest in any of that. I never in a million years that I would be running for state representative. It was not something that was premeditated for a long period of time. I never intended to, to make this a career. Um, this is something that I'm doing because I genuinely care about the community and I'm tired of seeing what's been happening happen to it. And uh, I genuinely just felt like if, if nobody else is gonna step up and give this a real run for his money, then, right. then I'm gonna do it. Because I can, so right. that's okay. So let's talk about some of the the issues. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, there are. Uh, let's talk about something that I learned about recently: the Delaware loophole. Yeah. So you have a plan to close the Delaware loophole, and. Would you like to explain to people who may not know? I didn't know what that was. A lot of people are not familiar with the Delaware loophole. I think more people were familiar with the Delaware loophole. Yeah, they'd be, they'd be, can I curse? Yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah, (laughs) why? Yeah, you can say anything you want. They'd be pissed off. Um, So the Delaware loophole is uh, something that happens here in Pennsylvania where, so we have uh, almost 10% corporate tax in Pennsylvania, which is is pretty high. and most small and medium-sized businesses are subject to that tax. Now you have the larger corporations who are able to um, to register their subsidies right. in Delaware, where like there's a Walmart, right? Like a Walmart, ex- exactly. A Home Depot, and, right? Um, they are able to to register their subsidies in Delaware and go get. It's a loophole to evade right. taxes. And uh, so you have your small and medium mom and pop businesses that are paying more in corporate taxes than uh, than the WalMarts of right. Pennsylvania, where, even though they're using our infrastructure and it's our residents that are uh, earning them money and profits. And uh, you know, it's estimated that we lose roughly nine hundred million dollars a year 
in Pennsylvania revenue that could That's be going crazy. towards our infrastructure, our roads, our bridges, our schools. Um, and it's it's a travesty. But, you know, right. these big corporations are the ones that are lobbying our politicians in Harrisburg. And, you know, that's right. why the, they're able to get away with this. But we should be reducing the corporate tax to about 7% uh, to give some relief to our small businesses. Mm. And uh, we should be able to, to collect the tax revenue from the corporations. Which you would think sounds like common sense. Logical, right? right. Yeah. But, um, you know, I would have brought that up to my state representative, but he's never in his office. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I won't do that. It's I, an issue. It's an yeah. issue. Okay, so um, <laughs> he's so, my state representative too. Right, he's not right, there. Yeah. Right, and we'll we'll get to that because <laughs> I think that there. I think that you you've run a, a very uh, honorable campaign, um, and I I want you to know that I appreciate that. Uh, you tell people. Uh, why they should vote for you and not why they shouldn't vote for Joe Emmerich. Mm -hmm. However, uh, we're going to talk about that because <laughs> there, there are definite reasons why you should not vote for him. Um, and if Amy's too nice to say it, I'll say it. Uh, but, okay, so some, some of the other issues. What, what are the major issues that, that you're running on? Uh, um, and what, what are some of the first things that you are really focused on tackling? Why don't you talk about that? Um, issues that are near and dear to my heart are, uh, the public education system, mm -hmm. the way that we fund our education system in Pennsylvania is appalling. Um, right. we, we don't have fair funding in Pennsylvania. Our, our funding structure is based on what it was in 1991. Right. Which I, I before you get on with that, I just want to cut, cut you off real quick. Cause I want people to know, uh, we, we both live in Nazareth. We have mm -hmm. children who have been or, or are still in the Nazareth uh, area school mm -hmm. system, which is a very good school system that is uh, funded well, so well that the high school baseball team is building a million-dollar baseball mm -hmm. stadium. So we I, – I agree with you, by the way, and I'm going to let you get back to it. But I want, I want to preface this by saying we are not you – know, we're on the high end. Yeah. You know, so we this isn't just uh, – we're lucky, yeah. But there are absolutely. districts in Pennsylvania around us that are not, not so lucky. So, lucky. so I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go no, ahead. No, you, you you raise a good point in um, in the fair funding structure of Pennsylvania because uh, you do. We in this district in particular, we do we have Nazareth, we have Easton, and we have Bangor, mm -hmm. three very different schools with three very different sets of resources, right? And three very different. Um, uh, income structures ba uh, of their of the residents in those mm -hmm. districts, um, and in Pennsylvania, like I said, uh, the funding of our school system is based on what it was in 1991, and right. what happened is we haven't uh, uh, we haven't um, restructured it, even though there's been uh, growth and um, and evening out in different parts of the state. So, in the western uh, half of the state they don't have the population growth and the, the housing growth that we've had here in the eastern half of the state. Right. So over there, their schools are 70% funded. Property taxes are not an issue. Nobody over there is worried about their school taxes raised because, you know, right. Pennsylvania gives them a, a, great, a good amount of money for resources for their schools. They have great schools. Over here on the East Coast... People like me ruined it. And <laughs> people, people from New York and New Jersey... We, had, it, we had an influx <laughs> of uh, population growth, a, yep. a massive growth, and um, 
it, what has happened is we we are funded about 18% of wow. of what we need and the only way to make up for, for the gap, for the deficit, is, is in school taxes and property taxes. And so people love, people love to give the school board a bad name, and they love to blame teachers' unions and, and this, that, and the other thing. But what it comes down to is the fact that our state is not funding our schools properly. And a lot of times, sure, you have a, a school district like Nazareth who has a whole lot of extra revenue and income right. to, to play with, and you'll end up with a million-dollar baseball field. But then you have a school like Bangor whose roof is caving in. Right. And, um, it, you know, it's, it's really it's disheartening and it's sad because it's the kids who suffer in that situation. Mm -hmm. And um, it all boils down to the fact that we just don't fund our schools fairly in Pennsylvania, not to mention... Um, you know, the, the billion dollar cut to education under Corbett right. that has, we've, we're still trying to bounce back from. So um, we have a lot of issues in Pennsylvania that revolve around the way that we fund our public education. And um, I think that that is going to be a priority for me to support bills in, and legislation in Harrisburg that we can uh, make our public education system a priority. Mm. We're also, you know, we're funding charter schools without any kinds of transparency and regulation. Right. That's our public education system that has to pay for those schools and, and pay for the kids that go to those schools. And, um, it's draining the resources right. of our public education. Well, so what do you, what do you plan to do about charter schools? I, I feel that I, if they're being funded by public schools, there should be transparency. Absolutely. To, they should be public uh, record. Of, absolutely. Um, uh, um one hundred percent. I mean, it's another thing that just seems like it's common sense, right? Um, but they also lobby our politicians in Harrisburg. And if you'll look at where the votes fall on those bills, you know, it's typically a, a party line vote. And uh, Joe is is guilty of, of voting for uh, expanding charter school funding constantly. There's right. been several bills that went through, and all that does is take more resources away from our public education right. system. Which is uh, ridiculous when you have a, a, a school with a roof that's caving in that you're going right. to go fund charter well, schools. Well, yeah, that's... you have a community with income inequality. You have a, right. a low-income community, and so just because a child is born in uh, you know, a family and in, in a community with less money, they don't deserve a, a less quality education. Right. It's to no fault of their own. They deserve the same education as the kids living one district over in Nazareth. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. That's, that's, a, that's a big... Uh, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And, and par I, I grew up in, in... I moved around New Jersey, and when I first went to school, I was in a school system that we didn't even, we couldn't even afford books for every kid. And, and I was lucky enough to move to a school district that had unlimited resources. So that makes a big deal, and it starts early on because you develop your study habits early on mm -hmm. and everything uh, else like that. So that is, um, when I heard that, uh, especially when you made the point about the um, the baseball field and, the, and and Bangor High School, that mm -hmm. was that that really uh, that really hit home. So uh, kudos to you on that. I uh, another another reason to vote for you. Now <laughs> I know there's also people are going to talk about their taxes mm -hmm. when it comes to that. So, you, but you are 
um, for uh, property tax relief. Absolutely. Uh, there, we have other ways to bring revenue into the state of Pennsylvania to fund our education system. So, you know, everybody, everybody wants to say Democrats want to raise your taxes. Well, mm. that's, that's not necessarily true. Yeah, we want to put funding towards education, but the more funding we put at a state level for education and allocate for uh, education the lower your property taxes are. And right. frankly, you know, the amount of money that we're paying in, in property taxes in most of these areas, especially even in this community, Easton's out of control, mm-hmm. um, is a result of the lack of funding from the state for the education system. Um, and they say, oh, where, where are you going to get the money? Well, there's a lot of places we can get the money. We don't, we don't tax, we don't have a severance tax for our natural gas drillers. Right. Um, like every other state in the country. Uh, you know, we take a 3% severance tax. We can use that money for our education. We can use it for renewable energy, create jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, closing the Delaware loophole, like we mentioned earlier, is a, a big revenue source that we're not taking advantage of. We can legalize marijuana. We can start that uh, that industry here in Pennsylvania and be right. a, in the forefront of that and um, start collecting tax revenue from that to put towards our education system. So there's there's a lot of ways that we can bring money into the state to fund these things without having to raise taxes mm-hmm. and in turn lowering our property taxes right. and making it easier for our middle class and our seniors to, uh, to stay in their homes. Well, because... Uh that's important because I know I've noticed uh, over the years that I've been here, uh, property taxes have risen, um, and that is one of the things that brought so many people from New Jersey here is the uh, increasingly uh, astronomical prices that uh, in property taxes that people pay. Mm-hmm. So eventually that's going to happen here and you're going to have people moving on. It's going to, there's going to be no middle class. It's going to be people who can afford to live here and people basically on assistance. And I don't, I don't know if many people see that. Yeah. Um, It turns into a cycle of poverty is what's going to happen because the kids are going to not receive a quality education because they come from a a low income area. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that's how the cycle of, of poverty continues. And that's, you know, unfortunately, that's what the, the, the wealthy and the top 1%, that's exactly what they want to see happen. Right, right. They want to see that income gra- uh, gap and that wage gap grow, which is, is precisely this, how the system is set up right now. So speaking of wages, you, you are uh, for a higher minimum wage as well. Uh, the minimum wage in Pennsylvania, I think, is is, is roughly se- it's $7, 7 dollars It's the federal... Uh, that is the lowest a state can have their minimum wage by federal law. Right. And so we're, we're right there. We're right there. Yep. Now, I, I don't, I'm not sure. I know uh, in your town hall somebody mentioned about a $15 minimum wage. I'm not sure that, that this area could, can support that right, mm-hmm. right now. Do you agree with that? Or? I, do, I think that I, I, I would like to see us get to a $15 minimum wage, right. but I think it does have to happen gradually. gradually. We, we don't want to see... Uh, we have to consider our our small business owners, especially right now with all of the the costs uh, with healthcare and everything else. Um, right now, it's not feasible for a small business to incur that that kind of blow that quickly. Right. But um, as a small business owner who's never paid any of her employees minimum wage, mm-hmm. um, because I know that no no person could ever possibly survive on that. Um, 
I think it's it's unconscionable that we are still at seven twenty five. That's fifteen thousand dollars a year. Right. That's yeah. below the poverty level. Anybody who works forty hours a week should, should not, not be, be living below the poverty level and have agreed. to get assistance from the state. Essentially. Right. I mean we're we're that's just crazy. costing we're literally costing taxpayers more money by not raising the minimum wage. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that that's mind boggling to me. That that's that people can actually work and still live below the poverty mm-hmm. level, and that that happens, you know, in this country. It it sounds like something that shouldn't mm-hmm. happen in this country, but it it does. It does. Um, let's talk about healthcare. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, you are for healthcare reform. Or why don't you why don't you talk about that? Because you have a very personal story that goes uh, that goes along with that. So. Um yeah, healthcare is such a it's such a touchy subject for so many people for a number of different reasons. Um, uh, Republicans have have branded Obamacare as being you know the the downfall of of the healthcare system and right. and that everything has gone downhill since Obamacare. Um, you know, as I don't know if you've ever had to get your health care from the marketplace, but I, when Obamacare, no, came, I've been lucky enough because I'm a member of a union. I do have, uh, I have excellent health care, thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, it's, and, and you're, you're lucky. Um, and a lot of people with employee provided health care are very, very lucky. My husband and I were small business owners, so um, we had previously been purchasing um, insurance privately, and then Obamacare came out, mm. and we were able to purchase our health insurance through the marketplace for the first time. It was very inexpensive, very good coverage. We had no deductible, um, and we were thrilled with it. We were thrilled... Um, all of my expenses that ha- that related to women's reproductive health were right. completely covered um, by law. Like it was just it w- it was it was wonderful. Um, and then uh, you know the war on Obamacare began, right. and subsidies were cut, and uh, you know they took the penalty away for people not being uh, not having health insurance, which people don't understand at all that if if you only have sick people buying health insurance right. our premiums go through the roof. Yep. So our my monthly premium when I first enrolled in Obamacare in ACA I hate I really hate when people call it right. Obamacare. <laughs> yep. In ACA it was $600 a month for my family of 4. We mm. had excellent coverage. Today um, my our health insurance is $2500 a month. For a family of four, More and than we have a fifteen thousand dollar deductible. Uh, we have terrible coverage. Um, there are very few doctors that even accept our insurance, um, and it's not even affordable to go to the doctor. So, uh, but I have to have insurance because I I did have breast cancer six mm. years ago. I do have, you know, it's it's a pre-existing condition that could be a current existing condition at, at any time. Right. Um, I'm required to get mammograms every six months. This was amazing. If you're going to say what I think that you're going to say, I remember you saying this. this I am, is- I'm two years behind on my six-month mammogram because it's $1,000 out of pocket yeah. for me every time I go. That's Whereas important. People women, need to listen Women's to health coverage used to be... 
um, used to be amazing under the original uh, plan of the original ACA. All of that should be covered. Right. Certainly if you have a, a personal history of, of breast cancer. Um, and, and that's scary to me that people who need to go to the doctor and are paying for health insurance still can't, can't afford, afford to it. go to the doctor. Um, and on top of that, you know, you have, uh, you have Medicare costs that are rising. Uh, Medicare is something that many of our seniors who've worked all their lives paid into and, and rely on. Mm. And um, my mother, 76 years old, had to come out of retirement because her Medicare premium went up $160 a month. Her Social Security does not cover it. Right. Um, so now she's folding clothes at Target. And that's, you know, heartbreaking for a daughter to, to watch right. and to see. Um, because she's still moving around great now, but you, you know, you she's not, know. she's not getting any younger right. and she should be enjoying her, her retirement. She should not be folding right. clothes at Target. And this so. is not some, this is not, you know, what I, I know a lot of Republicans say, you know, people want to sit around and stuff and not work. This is somebody who, who worked, earned worked their retirement. Life. Exactly. And exactly. now has to, has to come out of retirement. So, uh, so, and now what, what, what? Um, people are going to say in response to, to all of those things mm-hmm. is, well, you know, it's the Democrats destroyed uh, health insurance. We don't allow competition across state lines and this, that, and the other thing. Here's the problem. We have, comes back to money, we have politicians in Harrisburg and Washington taking millions of dollars from pharmaceutical companies, from yep. insurance companies, from um, health networks, and and our the the people are being forgotten. If we would move towards Medicare for all, and we right. could we could simplify the system, we would we would save trillions of dollars a year just in administrative costs. In we can negotiate drug prices to get them to the prices they are in Europe, mm-hmm. um, without sacrificing quality of care. So, and even the sheer weight of not having to worry about whether or not you can afford to go to the doctor if you get sick, just knowing, just having the, the peace of mind mm-hmm. that if you wake up tomorrow and you're sick, you can just walk down the street and go to the doctor. Right. You don't have to worry about whether or not they take your insurance. You don't have to worry about whether or not you have enough money for your deductible. You don't have to worry about mm-hmm. whether or not you're going to get kicked off your insurance because you're going to be diagnosed with a pre-existing condition. Right. Just the sheer peace of mind to not have to worry about those things, in my mind, is, is a no-brainer, another no-brainer to move towards it. Right. I want to uh, uh, I want to add something to that. So, like I last year, um, my my 19 year old son he was uh, he was attacked. He suffered a traumatic brain injury. He was very very close to death. I was lucky. I have insurance that I did not have to worry about. On top of watching him in a coma, he had to have a craniectomy. He spent three months without a half of his skull. He had to wear a helmet. 24 hour supervision. He still suffers from PTSD. He's on medication. I did not have to, because I'm a member of a union, I have good health care. I cannot, I did not have to worry that about him getting taken care of. And his medical bills just for his stay through rehab and everything totaled over a million dollars. And I want people to think about that when they complain about, uh, you know, Obamacare or anything. When they complain about, health coverage. Imagine someone you love 
And while you have to worry about them, if they're going to get better, if they're going to survive, you also have to worry about how am I going to pay for this? Yeah. Am or, I going to also lose our house? Right. Uh, am I, you know, am I going to lose my job? Am I going to, yeah. It, it, am I, it, are they just going to stop taking care of him? Right. You know what I mean? Which is, uh, which is something that you should not have to worry about. No. Um, so I, I, I appreciate um, your stance. I think it's, uh, it's, I think that it's shameful that as a breast cancer survivor, which my, my mother is a, a two-time breast cancer survivor as well, that you um, have to wait that long. And that is something that you need. And that alone is enough. For, for That should be enough for anybody to vote for you, in my opinion. But, I mean, I'm... <laughs> I'm 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 on I'm on the wag I'm on the bandwagon. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta say. So, um, okay, let's. I I want to um talk about the uh, there's an opioid crisis mm-hmm. in this area. There's an opioid crisis in a lot of areas, but um, I was shocked. Uh, really, I, I to to see just how bad it is in this area. Mm-hmm. Um. Your, what are your thoughts on that? I know you. Uh, uh, I mean, that. it tie it ties in a lot to um, our healthcare. Um, right now, it's very difficult for somebody to have access to a, a, rehabil- a rehabilitation that is long enough right. and um, effective enough, mainly because our insurance providers are not required to cover it. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, you have the people that uh, just can't afford to get better, and they get worse. And um, and a lot of it is it's it's disgusting because a lot of it is a result of our pharmaceutical companies yep. and the lobbies and 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 pushing drugs and pushing narcotics onto onto patients, getting them hooked, and then you know this is the natural progression, and that's led to the boom that we're seeing now. Um, I was talking to uh, a state representative, um, Patty Kim, from out in Harrisburg, mm-hmm. and she, this is a very big issue for her. She's a champion for this issue in Harrisburg. And um, she said, you know, this is starting to finally become a, a bipartisan issue in the sense that the opioid epidemic has affected all walks of life. This is right. it does not discriminate. Nope. It doesn't care if you're if you're poor, if you're wealthy, if you're white, if you're black, brown, it doesn't matter. Um, and so it's affecting the lives of of rich white people. Right. And it's really sad that, you know, that's what has to happen to get for, stuff done. for real change yep. to to take place um, at a legislative le- level. But that's what we're starting to see. And and I'm sad that that is the reason that uh, it's starting to really get some attention. But I'm glad that it is getting attention because people are acknowledging that that a lot of people in our communities are falling subject to this. They're they're dying and um, we need to we need to start working on resources to to put an end to this. Um, okay, I, so I want to uh, switch subjects here. Uh, did you did you bring this all up uh, during your debate with Joe Emmerich? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, Amy's laughing because Joe Emmerich refused to debate you. Correct, yes. five times. Five times. Yeah. 
and I think there were plenty of other times where he just didn't respond to people reaching out to him, even though he has uh, debated other opponents in the past. He's debated all of his opponents in the past, except, except for, for me. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> what he did do is he did um, uh, create some, some negative ads uh, about, about you. Um, without giving you a chance to uh, debate him mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, call him out pretty right. much. Right. Why, why do you think that is? Do, do you have an opinion on that? If you don't, if you don't want to. No, I, I think that, um, I think that had he, had, had he debated me, had he mm-hmm. sat at a table and had to answer questions or from a moderator or from me, Um, I think a lot of the things that he tries really hard to keep not so public knowledge, um, would have, would have gotten some amplification and he, he didn't want to see that happen. Um, it's really easy for him to try and, uh, you know, smear my character, um, through, you know, twisting, twisting information and, and, um, if that's the only way that he can win, I, I think that really reflects on the fact that he doesn't have a lot of positive things to say about his record while he was in office, right. which is certainly what he would be asked in a debate. What have you done about this? What have you done about that? And when you can't say anything because right. you have not done anything uh, to, to benefit the community in that way, then, um, yeah, I'm sure he's scared of, of people realizing, Hey, you know, um, he shows up at the parades, but you know, in Harrisburg, he's not really getting anything done. So, you know, a a debate is certainly the platform where those things come to light. And so I think that, um, you know, I think he was afraid of that. I think he's also to be perfectly honest, I think he's a little afraid of running against a woman. I think he's known to lose his temper pretty pretty easily. And uh, I think the optics of losing his cool as a big, tough football player that he portrays himself to be next to a right. five-foot-nothing, you know, baker of cakes. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, everybody loves cake. <laughs> probably uh, would not bode super well for him. Right. And, uh, and so, you know, I kind of, I see why he made the decision that he did, but I also think that it's really sad and I think it's a disservice to this community to not answer to your constituents. Right. He, he seems to have forgotten that he's a public servant and that he works for us. For us. Yep. And uh, I don't know many jobs where you can just not answer to your boss and keep your job. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, Joe seems to have forgotten that. I, I first time I, I spoke to you, I think uh, we were talking about uh, you know people say, oh, he's he's such a nice guy, and I made the comment, well, there are plenty of nice guys that are bad at their job. So, yeah, and uh, that's that's what I think. Your 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 um, bake shop is a. Uh, across the street from his office. Mm-hmm. And um, how many times have you seen him? Never. Never. 
Never. Not once in six years. It was really one of the biggest reasons that pushed me to, to take the plunge and run against him. Right. Because I think it's, like I just said, it's a disservice right. to his community and his constituents that he's not available, that he's not accessible, that he, he, doesn't, he doesn't serve the people that live right. here. Well, that's, you know, he, that's what we were referring to at the beginning when we talked about people that moved to, mm-hmm. he moved to Nazareth he did, he did. to run. Yes. So that's, uh, that's a fact. Anyway, uh, you know, you've been, I, I, I appreciate it. And I know other people I've talked to uh, appreciate you taking the high road. Mm-hmm. There isn't much of that. And I think that really bodes well for showing that you are not a politician. And uh, I think that that is extremely important. Um, so we're very, very close to the election Tuesday, <laughs> right? Yeah. So what do you want to tell people? What if you had one, you know, really final thing to really tell people to get them out to vote, what would you say? I think that uh, I think that the way that we've run this campaign and everything that we've been able to accomplish um, here in the district, it, it's I think it's good foresight and mm-hmm. how hard I will work should I be elected. You know, we have we have done really unprecedented things in this district. The organization is like nothing anybody who's ever run in this district has ever accomplished. And, you know, that's not just me. That's my team. Right. Um, but it, it shows, it should show that we will get it done. Mm-hmm. We will figure out whatever we need to because we care, we're passionate, we're hardworking. That's what I'll bring to the office. Um, you know, in addition to our platforms and our issues and, and all of the things that I care about that I want to get done at a legislative uh, level, um, I will take care of the people that live here. And I will always answer to them, right, wrong, good or bad. I will always be available and, and be held accountable for what I am doing or for what I'm not doing for the people of this district. And I think it's about time that they elect somebody who, who will give that to them. So that's my, that's my pitch. That's my final plea to the people of District 137. Um, give me a chance. I will work so right. hard for you. And if I don't, I'll, I'll be accountable for it. Right. Um, one, one thing I, I think is interesting, I think that uh, people um, should know, if Joe Emmerich is elected again, he gets some uh some perks so if you are on the fence you don't think that you want to uh vote i believe he gets uh health care for life mm-hmm. so if you are having issues with with your, your health care you want to see change and joe emmerich has not brought you that change if you elect him again or you do not vote against him he is going to have health care for him and his family for life which is something you will not have. And that's, his second pension. And his second pension. That's right. That is the other thing I couldn't mm-hmm. think of. He will have a, another uh, a, a second pension. So these are all things. If, if you're going to vote Republican and you're going to vote for him, that's fine. But if you are on the fence, you are an independent, you are not planning to vote, these are things that you need to think about because these are things that cost us in the long run. Mm-hmm. 
So absolutely, absolutely. And kudos to you for not saying that. I know you don't, but that is that is uh, no, a huge. No, I, I I do I do say it a lot because oh, okay. it's it's. I mean, I'm a I'm a taxpayer and I'm a constituent right. just like everybody else. And and like we mentioned earlier. There's not a lot of jobs where you cannot answer to your boss and, right. and keep your job. And the stakes are high. He mm-hmm. will get his second. He's, he's going to collect a teacher's pension, public teacher's pension, even right. though he votes against them for anybody else. Which is ridiculous. And, um, and he will get a, a legislative pension as well as health care for life. Where he makes $87,000 a year mm-hmm. plus a $3,000 a month per diem. It's $120,000 a year. So if you think that he has done a good enough job to continue to collect that paycheck, by all means, vote for him. I don't think he has. I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you. So um, where, can, uh, where can everybody uh, find you, uh, social media-wise, anything? If they want, maybe they want to reach out and, and ask you some questions or, or talk to you themselves. Absolutely. Um, you're, you're welcome to email us at amycozy at gmail. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Amy Cozy for State Rep. Our website is amycozyforstaterep.com. Stop down to the campaign office. We will literally be here probably for the next the ba- 48 hours. Right, which is the bake shop. So. <laughs> uh, we're, at, yeah, we're at 143 South Main Street on Naz- in Nazareth. And uh, we will, somebody will probably be here just about every hour until uh, 8 p.m. and probably 10 right. p.m. Tuesday evening. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and get out and vote. And get it. Please vote. Please vote. So important. Exercise your franchise. That's it. <laughs> it's very important. People died for you to have that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to uh, thank you again for coming on and thank you for running. Uh, that your team has been great. I know that they, they've been trying to whisper and stuff, but you know, <laughs> uh, everybody here has been great. I also want to thank you. I brought my 14-year-old daughter, Ashley, down. She is filming she's right videotaping now. Videotaping us. That's right. awesome. Uh, but I, <laughs> I, I thank you because uh, you've inspired her. One of the most um, heartbreaking things uh, after the 2016 election that happened, Ashley was 12 years old uh, at the time, uh, and when she found out that Donald Trump was going to be our president, her, her words to me were, why would anybody vote for somebody who talks and treats women that way? And that was, uh, that's She's got not, a good point. Right. That's not hyperbole. That's, that's true. And it broke my heart. Um, so see, having to be able to bring her down here and see you, it's, it's, uh, inspiring. And there are a lot of women running for office. Um, 126 in Pennsylvania alone. There you go. So, uh, thank you. And, um, Thank you for coming on. And, and once again, everybody get out and vote. I've taken up a lot of your time, but I appreciate it. You're fine. Thank you so much for having me. All I appreciate right. it. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Hey, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Luke Capetta Show. Once again, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spreaker.com, Stitcher, Podbean, and even Spotify. Thanks for the love. Rate, review, subscribe. Keep listening. Peace.